Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hey, hey there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. It is Tuesday, November 28th, a little bit before 9 a.m. Central Time. I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday with your families. Uh, I sure did appreciate it. Thank you, uh, although they'll never hear this. I thank my in-laws for taking on the task of cooking uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, a busy time of year for myself and my wife, so... It is greatly helpful, and I know our kids appreciate that, and I will return the favor on Christmas. I need to come up with a menu for that. If anybody has any suggestions, shoot them my way. I try to get a little creative with that stuff, but sometimes it's for naught, and made tried to make Cornish game hens one year, and they came out okay, but uh, definitely not something that uh, I, I was anywhere close to mastering. But I digress. We are uh, in the midst of... The Big Ten Football Championship Week, I will be playing in Indianapolis if you've been under a rock against uh, Michigan. It'll be interesting interesting to see tonight when the college football playoff rankings come out where Michigan is ranked. You would think Michigan beating number two would put it at number one this week, even though Georgia beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is... I, I what are they six and six or something like that? So not even comparative. If you thought Michigan was three last week, I think you should probably put them at one if they beat your two team. But weird things happen, and sometimes the voters will say, "Well, Georgia didn't do anything to lose the number one spot." But whatever. Coffee sip. It'll um, it'll matter more next week. Obviously, I think if Georgia can beat Alabama. It will probably not be number one regardless of what Michigan does against Iowa because the Iowa – my guess is Iowa will be around 15 this week um, in the middle of the teens somewhere uh, in the college football rankings, so not going to be as quality of a win as Georgia gets. But anyway, it's another discussion for another day. Um, I want to jump into your questions quick here because uh, there are quite a few, and I want to make sure I get to them all, but – if there was any doubt that Iowa uh, is embracing the underdog role in this game, uh, those were washed away yesterday uh, during our Zoom virtual press conference with uh, three Hawkeyes, uh, Jay Higgins, Mason Richmond, and Joe Evans. And uh <laughs> Here's Jay Higgins's quote. These are from my preview, which I'll probably publish tomorrow morning on Wednesday, November the 29th. You can find that at my Twitter X, uh, which is Rob Howe HN, um, at Rob Howe HN. Uh, so Jay Higgins says, block the noise out. We're at Iowa, so we understand the type of love we get from the media. I don't think that's no surprise. We were expected to lose last week as well. If we listen to what people say about the games before they actually happen, there would be no point of going out there and competing. Uh, Fast forward to uh, Mason Richmond. Um, 
Fox color commentator, Joel Klatt. I, that's parenthetical reference on the Fox color commentator. commentator. For Joel Klatt to call us the lin- little engine that could, and this occurred during the Michigan-Ohio State game last week, I think that's great. I love that, Mason Richmond said. We're definitely going to use that one as a little chip on our shoulder. Um, and then finally, from Joe Evans, uh, I think the the team leader. Uh, he is he and Jay Higgins, I think, are one, two in some order or one, one, a however you want to frame it. Uh, to be honest, everybody in the Iowa football facility loves that. We love that narrative of being the underdog. Evan said, I'll be honest with you. I don't think anybody thought we'd be in this position after we lost 31 zero at Penn State. We don't really care what anyone else thinks outside the facility. All the opinions that matter are the people in the facility. It's going to come down to how we prepare and how we do things this week. We're just really pumped up to play. Interesting. Uh, they definitely have embraced that. And it's, you know, you look at the point spread. And I mentioned this, I think, um, in a previous podcast or something I wrote. But uh, it opened at 22 points, Michigan being favored by 22 points. And for those that don't gamble, uh if you bet on Michigan, it has to win by at least 23 points. Uh, and then anything less than that, if you're betting the point spread, you would win with Iowa. Um, that's a lot of points. And for reference, uh, the, the gambling line in 2021 opened up as Michigan minus 10 and a half points. So you're talking double that, uh, more than double that. So that gives you an idea of what the public, the gamblers, think about this matchup. They don't expect it to be close. Uh, and then obviously uh, the point total is at 35 and a half. Um, the, Michigan is averaging 37.6 points per game. And the total is actually under what they average. And if you're trying to put, making it, you know, figure out that equation, it's because both defenses are really good. And Iowa's offense is not very good. Um, so with that total, they're probably, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking Michigan will win. Uh, what would what would clear that and still keep it at thirty six? I'm bad at math. I don't know. Twenty one seven. Twenty four. No, that wouldn't even be it. I'm not doing the math. You guys figure it out. It's uh, it's goofy math though. Any way you slice it. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Going to jump into your questions now, and I appreciate everybody for sending in question questions uh jake timbers who continually changes his uh twitter handles x handles uh our brains basil basil ganglia controls memory and quantum entanglement is how observation determines reality this is from november 23rd by the way over the weekend i'm not sure what drake was in but probably uh, or it doesn't he doesn't need to be into anything if you've have any history with Drake Timber's questions and comments on this podcast, you understand they're a little out there. So uh, our brain's basal ganglia controls memory and quantum entanglement is how observation determines reality. If your basal ganglia took us back in time to Iowa's 2023 regular season, what events do you choose to remember? Lest remembrance cements the past via quantum entanglement. 
You know, Drake, it depends. I There are so many things that happen this year, uh, from the injuries to uh, the comebacks, resilience, all that stuff, and different memories and thoughts and observations pass through my mind when I think about this team. And it's going to take time, I think, for the maybe what is most memorable to rise above the group, if that makes any sense. Um, You know, if Deacon Hill goes out and just plays out of his mind on Saturday, that's obviously going to be a memory that we don't have yet that has a chance to be the memory. Um, So it's hard to say. I know you said regular season. um, So what happens next week won't – affect that or what happened Saturday won't affect that. But I think we'll look at this season as a whole, not just as the regular season. Um, But obviously, you know, I think the injuries are right there. Uh, Unbelievable that that happened. Um, You know, the the emergence of somebody like Caleb Brown, the running back situation, um, Addison Ostrenga, Jay Higgins season. Uh, You just, you can go through what has been, you know, but I think it's more it's it's going to come down to more team oriented, um, you know, the pass play from Hill to Caleb Brown at Northwestern to set up the field goal, uh, the run by Caleb Johnson against Illinois, uh, the Marshall meter field goal. All of those things are going to be, you know, in the in the front of people's memories when it comes to this season. And uh, I would I will reserve over time to to. Like 2002 was similar. There's a ton of memories. And some of the ones that have stood the test of time, at least in my mind, are uh, the performance at Indiana before Michigan, that Michigan game and how Iowa just dominated them in the big house. Uh, Dallas Clark against Purdue. Uh, you know, the the scene at the, the, the um, dome in, Minne- in Minneapolis with the goal. I mean, just – those are, it's it's hard to just pick a couple. They all just kind of seasons like this. They all just kind of. Uh, um, there are so many that the the ones that I think it's almost like an individual thing, right? It's almost like depends on who you ask. They'll tell you what their fondest memories are. Um, so I, I will. I, I've learned over the years to just kind of wait, let it marinate, and then see where it goes from there. Uh, Drake Timbers, our moon was formed when a sister planet collided into Earth, which is why our moon, unlike other satellites in our solar system, is made of the same materials as Earth. If KF is Earth and is offense, the moon, why fire BF? A different moon means seeking a different planet. I would be lying to you, Drake, if I did not say, if I said that this thought did not and has not entered my mind to this point. I'm, I don't know, skeptical's the right word, um, but I think it, it, it. I think it can be used here. Being skeptical about the new offensive coordinator and how he meshes with Kirk Ferentz, who is so involved with offense, philosophy, scheme, all of those things. The base, the foundation. That's Kirk Ferentz. And we've seen it through the years. I get feel like people probably are tired of hearing me say this, but um, it, it's pertinent. 
you know, from Ken O'Keefe to Greg Davis to Brian Ferentz, those are always the least popular assistant coaches for Kirk Ferentz in his 25 years. And it's been, there have been high moments, there have been good moments with it, but for the most part, it's, it can be very difficult to watch and it's become harder to watch as the game around Iowa has evolved and Iowa has stuck to doing what it wants to do. It needs to execute everything almost perfectly on most plays because the other team knows what's coming. That is different than other offensive approaches where you're trying to use deception as part of your attack, your plan. So will Kirk Ferentz allow whoever takes over for Brian to do that? And how much will he allow to do it, be allowed to do it? And how much will his philosophy mesh with what Kirk wants? So, you know, it's when I, when Brian was hired, I said it was a good hire because if anybody knows what his dad wants, it's him. Um, and it hasn't worked. And we can say injuries this year and, you know, um, personnel, you know, blame it on players, things like that. It doesn't matter. The last three years have been not good. And it's not an isolated incident this year with the injuries. It was bad last year. It was bad the year before. And I would submit that at any other school in the country, almost any other school, Brian would have been let go after last year. Instead, Gary Barta gave him an ultimatum with goofy contract stipulations and benchmarks that he had to hit, which just made the situation even worse. I'm not sure any of this could have been handled any worse. So I think it's probably good to turn the page, but turning the page doesn't mean you're going to get a better answer on the next page or the next chapter. We'll see what happens, but I think it's a fair point by Drake. Uh, lastly, from Drake, in five billion years, our motherly Milky Way will collide with equally beautiful Andromeda. These two spiral galax- galaxies will emerge into a single path like BF and Kittle. Two naturally gifted men muzzled and with their talent held back by the program they love. BF will be an NFL offensive coordinator. You heard it here first, folks. Drake Timber says, Ryan is headed to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Where that's going to happen, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. His best landing spot, I think, just from a perceived spot, is New England, and things aren't going well there. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump on that band. I, I wouldn't jump on that train just yet. The one heading, uh, <laughs> the one heading to Foxborough. Uh, Greg Zudima, Zudima. I know you've probably told me this before. I feel like you've asked me questions before, or you just have a name that's difficult for me to pronounce, um, which is like other people that have names that are difficult for me to pronounce. I'm a butcher of names. Uh, that's a known uh, fact here on this podcast. So I I appreciate Craig's question, and I apologize for my butchering of his last name. Uh, are the blocked kicks on the kicker, the line, or both? This is a good one, Craig. I asked uh, Jovan Johnson and uh, Jordan Canzeri about this, uh, and they said it was kind of a mixed bag on the two different situations. They thought the first one was a really good play by the Nebraska defensive end, number nine. I forget his name, and I apologize. Um, But they also felt like the kick trajectory was a little bit low. The second one they put on Steven and said it was just too low. 
Um, I don't know what it is. He's been off a little bit. He missed a, a long kick early in that game. Uh, I believe he's missed field goals in maybe the last four games. Now it's important to it's important to point out that I don't think any of those kicks have been less than forty eight yards, and I think three of them are over fifty. Um, you would hope he could make those um, and make more of those. Maybe if he makes half of those, it's not as big of an issue. But it was clear when Kirk Ferentz was asked about it on the field after the game by um, the sideline reporter that he came right out and said that meter, he felt meter gave them the best chance to win. That probably came from LeVar Woods uh, suggestion. I don't think Kirk probably makes that decision on his own, Um, but LeVar tracks what's going on in practice. Meter had been practicing well. He got the shot there, and really that opens up. It'll be interesting to see what Kirk says today about the kicker situation. If it's an open competition this week, um, what the plan is, That's one. that to me is one of the more interesting um, storylines that we'll get today from Kirk Ferentz's press conferences, how they're handling it. I really don't have a feel for it. Uh, I, again, I asked Jovan and Jordan Canzari, we do a rapid reaction podcast that's not rapid. It's usually the day after the Iowa game uh, with Jovan and Jordan. I would really recommend people find that on our Hawk Fanatic podcast feed and listen. Really great insight. And a, a lot of questions you guys ask me, I ask them because I'm I'm not overly sure. I would agree with them on uh, the – their assessment that and more of you know for me not knowing much as much about football as they do, that's how I saw it. I thought it was a great play on the first block. The second block, I it felt like it was may have been in Drew's mind, and the trajectory of that kick was low, and I think that fed to it. I'm not sure about the line. I haven't looked at it that closely, um, but that's that's obviously a part of it too. If you're not blocking guys that can get up and, and block it, it's a hard too, though, right? You're just blocking somebody. If they jump, you can't block somebody from jumping really, unless you hold them down. So I don't know. It's uh hopefully it's a problem or an issue that gets resolved this week, Craig, because if I was going to be in this game, they're not going to beat Michigan, you know, 30 to 10. I was going to need every point it gets and field goals are going to be important. And, um, that it, they usually are for Iowa. So big, big deal come this weekend. Um, all right, I'll get through a few more here before we take our break. Um, Jesse Lucier has got a couple here, and these are ones from November 25th, one from November 26th. So within the last few days, uh, as someone like yourself who has quit Twitter arguments, what's some advice for Hawkeye fans? Traveling to Indy, who will have to interact with some of the worst fans in sports. Been to every Big Ten stadium besides Indiana, and Michigan has to be the worst. Um, Yeah, I have a different perspective than you guys, Jesse. I've never watched a Big Ten since I've been covering Big Ten football, which started in 1997. I've never watched a game from the stands. It's always been press box or field for me, so... I don't have the interactions that you guys have. I don't see what you guys see, but you're not alone in stating this. Um, I'm hearing it, and I don't know if it's recency bias uh, for some. I'm not saying it's for you, but I think sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, the team you're playing that week. I remember when such and such happened when I was in Ann Arbor or Madison or uh, Lincoln or wherever. Um, But I would just avoid it. 
the other people. Um, if you happen upon some cordial, because there's a bad element to every fan base, right? We see it at Iowa. There are people that are toxic and we see it on social media. People that are live for the drama, live to mix it up, live to fight, live to argue, um, live to win arguments that there is no, there's no factual information to win the argument, but they'll fight tooth and nail to do that. And I've learned that over time. I've been a dick and an asshole on Twitter to people before. I'm not doing that anymore. If somebody wants to be an asshole to me, it just kind of rolls off my back. Um, does it affect me? Sure. I'm sure it does. And subconsciously, I'm sure it affects uh, my brain and my mood. Uh, but the, the, the less I expose myself to it, the better off I am. Uh, I usually, you know, a couple times a day, just go through my feed, pick up where, and just look for news really, or any interesting conversations. And those are hard to find these days. So my recommendation would be to just kind of hang with Hawkeye fans. You happen upon some nice Michigan fans, which I know there are some, I know some, um, interact, talk, break the game down. I think fun conversations can be had. Don't think that, and I know you're not saying this, Jesse, because you've experienced this in person, but don't be overly influenced by what you see on social media, Twitter X in particular, because it's a cesspool. And there are a lot of good people out there still that will engage in productive, fun conversation uh, as an opponent of yours, you know, a fan, a fan of a team that your team's opposing. Um, and you don't want to miss out on those conversations, right? You just want, you don't want to say, ah, eh, you know, you, you don't want to think that real life is what it's like on Twitter, right? That people are more likely to be nice to your face. And I don't know why that is. Um, I think you see the humanity in people when you're actually with them and it's easy when you're sitting behind a computer or on your phone to just be nasty. And I've been there and I've done that and I don't want to do that. And I do everything fiber of my being not to do that. Um, it's not healthy. So that's my, that's my two cents and I'll get off the soapbox. Jesse, uh, follows up with after the first month, I don't know how many Hawkeye fans saw it coming, but the O-line has really come together in pass protection. Will Iowa be able to continually move the ball in play-action game this week? Yeah, they're going to have to be able to, and I wrote this in my preview. The, the key to this game for me, Jesse, is Iowa's offense, not necessarily putting up a bunch of points. I think that's fool, foolish to expect that from this team against this defense. But it has to be able to sustain some drives. It has to be able to eat some clock. It has to be able to, in doing that, let its defense catch its breath. We saw in 2021, the offense struggled mightily and the defense wore down. The defense held up last year pretty well at Ohio State for half. Um, but the offense just doomed it. Doomed it. You can't turn the ball over. You can't um, have breakdowns. Uh, assignment breakdowns, dropped passes, Deacon Hill not having a feel for the pocket and getting the ball knocked out of his hands. That stuff, the stuff we've seen 
some of the, the mistakes we've seen this season can't happen on Saturday. You have to play a clean game. And that comes with the O-line opening up enough space for the running backs to at least stay ahead of the chains. You do not want to get behind the chains against this Michigan te- team. There's no Aiden Hutchinson there, but their defense is very strong, particularly in the secondary. So I, I think Iowa has to dedicate uh, or has to commit to running the football even if there's not a lot there the problem with that is if if you keep pounding away and go three and out you're going to wear your defense down that's why it's a really really complicated equation of when to maybe throw a short pass or a jet sweep or something to throw as i talked about earlier with with offensive coordinator something you have to be Less predictable if you're Iowa. If you're predictable, you're not winning this game. If you're predictable on offense, I don't think Iowa wins this game, or the odds of Iowa winning this game go down significantly. Uh, Trip Manfro at PFAC51 on Twitter. NBC has designated Black Friday night game on the current Big Ten TV contract. NBC has the designated Black Friday night game on the current Big Ten contract. Any chance Kinnick or Lincoln, Nebraska, hosts the Heroes game at night in the future? The um, the weekday nights are almost impossible at Iowa because of the parking situation with the hospital. So if it happens, it's most likely going to happen at Lincoln. If it happens at Kinnick, there will be gridlock. There won't be parking for people. It will be. It will make things very, very difficult. Um, and um, I don't think Iowa wants any part of that. And I think Iowa has has begged off of that before and let them know it, it's you know it, it's life. People are in a hospital. We we can't have them. The ambulances not being able to get into the hospital. Things like that because of the volume that you have during the week. Um, I'm not sure what the chances of that being that way in Lincoln. Uh, Obviously I would think that they're logistically could uh, be in a better position to do that, but I don't know that to be the case. Um, So um, I think the odds are low. We saw how cold it was during the day at Lincoln the other day. I think, you know, maybe a dome game. If you want to do a Friday night game, like, you know, obviously the Penn State and uh, Michigan State game was. Um, you never say never, and I think it's a possibility trip. Um, but I think logistically it's very hard to do at Kinnick Stadium. I'm not sure. I don't know the Lincoln situation close enough to know if it could do that. And I also don't know from, an, uh, from a TV perspective. Uh, and then Trip also follows up with, ask Scott if the Big Ten has ruled out Big Ten after dark 2024 conference games conference football games. I will hopefully I'll rem, I'll remember to ask him trip if I don't I apologize. At some point if you can keep asking me um I will ask Scott. I'll remember to ask Scott. Um probably a good time for us to take a little to take a little break here and step out and hear from our sponsors. Want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited. Celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for providing 50 years, over 50 years uh, of 
support in our community, and we especially appreciate uh, their support of our podcast, doing great work. Thank you to them. Uh, We're going to hear from a few more sponsors right here, and uh, I will be back on the other side to take on more of your questions, tackle more of your questions. Hang in there. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we are back here on the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. Rob Howe, your host. We're at about 9.25 a.m. Central Time, cruising along here. Appreciate everybody for listening, uh, everybody who sent in questions, as well as did Chris Bryant, not the uh, CH Chris, not the guy who plays for the Colorado Rockies and formerly of the Cubs. Um, He is Detroit Hawkeye on Twitter X. If it's anyone other than Caitlin Clark, as they ejected and suspended for back-to-back pushes against Purdue-Fort Wayne on Friday, she got one T. How fortunate is it for her image that it was a streaming game instead of live TV? And this is from a huge CC fan. It's I'm not going to be able to speak um, completely on this, Chris, or in depth on this, because I did not see it, <clears throat> like you said was on streaming i was not paying flow sports 30 bucks to watch that to i wasn't paying 10 bucks a game i would have paid 10 bucks if they would if i could have just watched the the kansas state game uh but the other two games were ridiculous i wasn't going to pay 30 dollars basically because i wanted to watch the k-state or north carolina game but i digress um caitlin has an edge to her um it's how she's wired it's part of the reason why she's so good she's very very intense um and competitive and that has when you are that way there is the chance that things like that can happen where you get outside of your head and you're not thinking logically and you're not thinking uh about what how to handle something your emotions get the better of you and she's a very emotional player um But, yeah, it was probably good that it was on a streaming service. Hopefully she learned the lesson without getting raked over the coals because those are the type of things that could hurt your um, marketability. And, you know, the State Farm commercials came out this past weekend. She's doing so much in terms of endorsements and, you know, um, what do you call it? Name, image, likeness, duh, NIL, um, that 
things like that, incidents like that can really damage your reputation. Um, so hopefully whatever it was, I, I didn't see it. I don't know what set her off. I don't know what happened. I don't, I just, I read a few things about it, to be honest with you. I'm very locked in to football right now until the big 10 championship. Then I'll start to turn my attention more, uh, to, to, uh, basketball and wrestling. But, um, as you say, Chris, it, it's not a good look. And she's, she's, she's lucky the look wasn't bigger, so to speak. Um, bigger Schneidenfreud, bigger Schadenfreud. Keeping Nebraska and their annoying fans home for Christmas yet another year or Minnesota's collapse after being gifted a W against Iowa? Well, they're both staying home for Christmas. So I guess it worked out. Um, you know, if I don't know as Iowa would have traded, I don't know, would Iowa trade the loss to Minnesota for a loss against Nebraska? Um, maybe. Um, technically, I guess if, if however you judge the, the fair catch, not a fair catch, a legal signal or whatever the heck it was, um, you know, I I think that gets under people's skin more and want they that if you were if people were given an opportunity to flip the script on either one of those, I think they would go for Minnesota. It certainly would have added to Cooper DeGene's legend, uh, although people give him credit for it anyway, even though it was waved off. Um but yeah, Minnesota, uh that was not that was not good. And that doesn't make Iowa look any better either, that they were right there with a team that just went in the tank. Um, so yeah, good question, Chris, Chris, again, what percentage would you give the likelihood of Kirk retiring after this season? Uh, I never thought about it from a percentage standpoint. I think he comes back and that again is just live in Iowa city. You've been, I've been here for whatever it is. I moved here in November, no, October of 97, um, from back East. And, uh, in that time, you know, you, you, friends, kids are in school, you hear stuff around town, things like that. I've heard conflicting, um, pretty solid information that I would think that people would know both ways on this. Um, and maybe it's a fluid situation. Maybe it's how this ends. If they were to win the Big Ten championship and then a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe he says, you know, this is as good as it gets, especially with the new, um, alignment and additions to the big 10. Um, how often are they going to be able to compete for a playoff spot in that situation? Um, so yeah, I, I think there could be some fluidity to it. Um, but I think he's leaning towards coming back. I think he's still enjoying what he does. Um, I don't know. Maybe all the emotion is the result of him knowing that this is it. It's hard to say. Um, but I'm going to say I would give it a 10 to 15% chance that he goes um, and 85 to 90% that he's back. And that is me completely. Um, that's complete speculation on my part based on some conversations I've had, none of which have been with anybody very, very close to Kirk. Put it that way. Um, Jesse Lucier is back. 
How many hours a day do you think Brian is working this week? Got to believe he's throwing everything he can at Michigan this Saturday. You think he's looking back at the 55-24 game for the first season from his first season as OC? He could be. Um, and if you remember, that game started with Ohio State making a colossal mistake on a pick six to Imani Hooker, and that just kind of got the ball rolling, and, and Iowa's offense fed off of that. If something like that could happen Saturday where Iowa's defense gets an early score, that could breathe, you know, breathe some life into Iowa to go for it instead of just saying, okay, we're going to try to protect the seven-point lead against the team that's averaging almost 40 points a game. So, um, like I said, Jesse, uh, what I've said a couple times in the podcast, Iowa needs to get creative on offense. It has to um, use an element of surprise, be less predictable, however you want to frame it. Iowa needs to – it's going to be – it's hard for me to imagine Iowa just lining up and physically imposing its will on Michigan from start to finish, sustaining drives, things like that. You have to have some element of – being unpredictable from an offensive standpoint. Uh, maybe you do that a little bit on defense too, but offensively you have to try to put your players in the best chance, give them the best chance to succeed. Um, and that means not letting the Michigan defense or not being so predictable that the Michigan defense knows where everybody's going and what they're going to do. And the only way to um, uh succeeded on a given play or given plays is by out executing the other team. You hear that out executing. If the play is there, for instance, the, the, the play call last week at Nebraska where Caleb Brown drops what would have been a touchdown pass. That's poor execution. That play was going to work it was poor execution, but there's also plays where it has nothing to do with execution. It looks like the, the, the offense isn't executing because it doesn't work, but the chances of that play succeeding is so low because you're, because you're so predictable that you're not putting the players, you're not giving them an opportunity. You're, you're, you're um, lowering the odds of success, if you will. So I don't know how many hours a week Brian is working, or I don't know how many hours a day Brian is working this week, but probably a lot. Uh, This feels a tad bit disrespectful. This is Jesse Lucier again. Do you think Iowa can score one point in the first half, and is Michigan defense that good? Uh, And there is a – Jesse took a screenshot of the team totals in the first half, um, and Iowa's – uh, over under point totals in the first half is a half a point. In the second half, it's two and a half points. So basically, they're expecting Iowa to score three. That's what they're setting the total at for the game uh, is three points, roughly. Um, obviously, obviously, there's some nuance to that when you're talking first and second half. But uh, yeah, it's disrespectful. But it's just another. Um, it's another piece of disrespect that Iowa can use as motivation. But again, that is only going to get you so far. The chip on your shoulder that Mason Richmond talked about, all of those things are only going to get you so far. You have to go out and win the game on the field. Emotion is part of it, but it's certainly not something that you want to uh, ride uh, to victory. You're going to need 
the emotion is going to have to be derived from success on the field. With Cade's injury proneness and lack of dependability, what are Iowa's chances of looking at bringing in a transfer quarterback with proven experience and dependable health? That's the million-dollar question. This is from Optimistic Pessimist pessimist at Iowa Hawk Guy on Twitter X. That's a question I've had in my head. What do you do here? Um, Cade, even though he's not playing, is one of the faces of this program. That's what was sold to us last December when he came through the portal. He was going to be the face of the program. The program promoted him as the face of the program. They, they put him on podcasts with people connected to the athletic department. I'm, you know, things like that. There's a recent one out as well. Um, we don't get those opportunities. Us, us schlubs in the regular media, um, that gets set up for, uh, the folks at Iowa control the message, so to speak. Um, but, um, it would be interesting to ask Cade that, you know, you've had injuries the last two years. Should Iowa, how would you feel if Iowa brought in another quarterback? And it also depends on how does Iowa feel about Deacon Hill's progress this year? Uh, Marco Lena's is progress. How do they feel James Reeser will come in? Is Joey Labus out of here? Um, and he may be out of here during this podcast, and I haven't seen it yet. But I would think he would want to stay on this team to the end. But I don't know. The portal. Um, people get uh, – Schools can start – guys are going in the portal now. They can't come out the other side until December 4th. So it'll be interesting to see if any Iowa guys go in there right after the the Big Ten championship game. Um, Because that is usually when you want to get in there because you want to get in this first run and have the most time as you can in there and take advantage of most of of your options. But it's all going to depend on – the coach's evaluations, the the new offensive coordinator, his evaluations, I guess, of what the quarterback position will be. I don't know if they'd have whoever if, if maybe Kirk has somebody in mind already to to be the offensive coordinator. I have no idea, but I do know that what you say is a reality. Going into next year with a guy coming off two leg surgeries that ended his last two seasons and is still rehabbing and will continue to rehab through probably the spring, you know, how much can you put in that basket? They put everything in that basket this year. They came out okay because of the defense and special teams uh, and a favorable schedule. Can you depend on that again next year? I don't know. Um, Optimistic pessimist again, a lot of transfers are ready from the Big 12. Do you think that is primarily from their move to a more mid-major conference, the Big Mac realignment? It's a good question. I'm convinced that there's backdoor deals here. We saw it with uh, Dave Clawson at Wake that lost the kid, the quarterback, to Notre Dame last year. Um, was it Dave Clawson? Who is the Wake Forest head coach? Let me look that up. I apologize. Wake Forest head football coach. You guys are all screaming out the answers. Yeah, Dave Clawson. And he talked about, you know, uh, losing his quarterback. And 
I mean, it was pretty much out there that Notre Dame had been not Notre Dame. If you have an NIL collective that is loosely, I guess you would say, connected to the university, that um, they can reach out. <laughs> they can reach out to people close to to kids that are going into that may be thinking about going into the transfer portal. I maybe there was nothing like that that happened with Cade McNamara last year, but I would not say it's out of the question that he wasn't given some type of a heads up that Iowa would take him if he went into the portal. He was probably going into the portal anyway, but that was a really quick deal. So take that with what you will. Uh, But my guess is some of these guys that are going in here right now, optimistic, pessimist, um, are guys that know not only they have a high value, and some guys are just going knowing, hey, I've done so good at the school I'm at that shit, I'm – I'm gonna. I'm gonna be really. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In high demand, and there'll be a bidding war for me. Um, and I think that's probably the case, maybe with the K State quarterback. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. I do think. I do think. I, I don't even know if you can call it tampering because it's not with collectives. Uh, it's not coaching staffs, but it's legal right now. Um, we've seen the NCAA. The NCAA is really good at disqualifying student athletes that are asking for more eligibility and student athletes that um, have wagered uh, not on their own team and been suspended for a whole year. They're really good at acting on that, but actually doing something with NIL regulations, it seems to be freaking crickets. We've gone on now for a couple years. Wait till you see this next month in the transfer portal. How crazy. We ain't seen nothing yet. This transfer portal in December is going to be wild. Mark my words. And I'm not the first one to say it, and I won't be the last. Uh, Golden handcuffs. I got to pick the pace up here. We're going on an hour. Uh, Golden handcuffs at Golden handcuffs on Twitter. It's Brian's last game as OC. Our offense is dead last in yards per game. We've lost most of our weapons. Nobody expects us to win. Brian has nothing to lose. Is it time for Brian to call a YOLO game with a bag of trick plays? Um, the problem with that is I don't think I don't think his dad's going to let him do that. And it's not the game plan. He's not just he can't go rogue. He's not acting independently. I know people get sick of the complimentary football line, but that's what Iowa plays. He is His game plan is going to fit into what the defense and special team plan is. That's how Iowa rolls. Um, I would like to see it open up with some trick plays and go for it, but not just like a circus. I mean, you know, well thought out, um, well-timed play calls that Michigan's not expecting that. I I think that's more of a path than anything else. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Yeah. Golden handcuffs followed up with, I went to Indy two years ago with my dad to watch Iowa get blown out by Michigan. I was there too. I was on the field watching it. We left in the third quarter. I asked if he wanted to go this year, and he responded with not a chance. What do you expect the crowd split to be between Iowa and Michigan this time? I think Iowa will be well-represented. Iowa travels really well. Um, 
but I think this is, I think it's more dominated by Michigan in this case. Um, I don't know what tickets are going for. I don't know what, uh, you know, lodging is down there. Um, I, I got a place, uh, coming back in, uh, Indiana on 74 so I can cut out a little bit of my drive that I do Sunday morning because it's a late night coming out of there with an eight o'clock local kick. I'll be lucky if I get out of that stadium by 1am local time. So, um, yeah, I, it's hard to say. Um, I, I, I think that that's the, that's my, my strongest feeling at least right now, Golden is I think I will have, plenty of fans, a good crowd, people coming down from Chicago, people that live in the Indy area, people that may be closer there than they are coming to Iowa City. And then you'll have, um, you know, people traveling from Iowa and other parts far uh, along. But Michigan is at the top of the world right now, right? So they're going to gobble up tickets off the secondary market if there are any. And I would expect it to be very, very Michigan, I would say maybe – 60, 40, 70, 30, 75, 25, somewhere in there. I, I'm not good with predictions like that, though. Uh, Jacob Clancy at JN Clancy. Do you think this will be Brian's last game calling plays? I imagine he will start interviewing for a new job and very well could sign before the bowl game. It's a possibility. Um, I don't know. I think – position coach at this point, offensive line coach in the NFL. I'm, after what he's done here, I cannot see a Power 5 program or an NFL program making Brian the offensive coordinator. Maybe he can work his way back up into that opportunity. Um, but I would think at this point, it's a if he was an offensive coordinator, it would be, you know, FCS maybe. Um but I think he could, he would be an attractive offensive line coach for NFL teams. I think he has a chance there. But you have to remember, he also has the baggage of 2020 to carry with him, which would affect, I think, him getting another job at a college because that stuff is going to, uh, that stuff will surface, be discussed, and, uh, could be a problem for any school that wants to hire him. I'm not making a commentary on that. I'm saying it's out there and that's something that's on his resume and record. Um, so to speak, uh, Clint Harms will wrap us up here at until game over the years. In my opinion, the Iowa basketball team as a whole, as a whole has lacked a certain toughness. Is that something you can instill coach into a player or is it more about a certain kind of toughness the player already has in his DNA when he arrives on campus? Yeah, I mean, there are two elements here. There are two um, ways to, to look at this, Clint. You could say, is a team tough? You watch a Michigan State-Purdue. Those teams are tough. As teams, they're tough. There are individual players on those teams that may not be as tough or tough but overall, the culture and the approach is toughness, which oftentimes is about defense um, when we talk toughness and rebounding. That is not Iowa's M.O. Iowa's M.O. is offense, running up and down the floor, pressing, getting steals, things like that. That's not associated with toughness. But I would submit Iowa had tough players. Jordan Bohannon was a tough player. 
Luca Garza was a tough player. Um, I could go back to Reggie Evans was a tough player. Uh, Matt Gatons was a tough player. Devin Marble was a tough player. There have been tough players through the years. I think Peter Jock was a tough player mentally. You know, we're talking physically and mentally here. Iowa's had that. It's just not Iowa's approach. It's not defense and toughness. At least that's how I view it. Um, But is that is that what you're looking for in your next head coach? Do you want a defensive oriented coach, a toughness, low scoring coach? I'm not talking lick. I'm talking like somebody who actually can coach offense as well. Um, but that that toughness is is one of those things that's thrown out in basketball, and I just think there are so many tentacles to that term, that word when it comes to basketball. Um, Mental toughness, physical toughness, individual toughness, team toughness, defensive toughness, all of those, all of those things. So, um, but I think there is also, um, that dog that, that, that the kids like to say, Clint, that players have the dog in them and that's consistently fighting through maybe tough times and being mentally tough to push through those. I think that's part of it as well. I don't know if I answered your question, how you wanted it answered or uh, (laughs) what you were asking, but that's kind of my, uh, that's my take on that. Uh, Let's see. Make sure I didn't miss anybody before we get out of here. Um, Let's see. looks like we got everybody in here. Yep. Even the ones that responded underneath my solicitation, uh tweet from last night looks like we got if i missed anybody i apologize um some people ask questions people that have been mean to me before that i've muted so if i'm not seeing your questions that's why um but that's not necessarily the case sometimes for whatever reason emily being the uh the example that i i know uh to be fact is that sometimes when you use the hashtag it doesn't come through when i search it and i apologize i don't know what that is uh i'll blame uh twitter x for that it's not anything that i'm doing all right folks well uh that'll do it for the mailbag podcast i appreciate everybody for listening uh appreciate all of our sponsors uh it's been a great football season again we're we're not done yet we'll come back next week and take your questions about the championship game uh we'll know who iowa's going bowling by this time next week all of those good things still happening and we'll get into some more basketball too i'll be able to get out to more basketball games and Have a lot more talk on that, wrestling, what have you. But uh, thanks again, everybody. Hopefully you uh, have a great rest of your week. If you're traveling to Indy, be safe, be nice, be kind to people. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, Thursday on the Hotspot Podcast with Scott Docterman. That usually streams about 9 a.m. Central Time. Um, And I'll be back to talk to you on this podcast next Tuesday. Until then, peace.